You're listening to The Briefing, first broadcast on the 25th of December 2023 on Monocle Radio. Hello and welcome to The Briefing, coming to you live from Studio One here at Midori House in London this Christmas Day 2023. I'm Tom Edwards. Coming up today, we'll hear about regional Christmas traditions from our most cosmopolitan colleagues live from Zurich. We'll get a word from our US editor Chris Lord swapping his sunny LA bureau seat for the drizzly hills of northwest England. And a little later... While my parents sat consumed by silent dread in the front of the car on Christmas morning, I was naively entranced by the passing landscape with its bare fields sparkling in the frost or puddled rain and the old cottages punctuating the hedgegrove. Some Christmas readings from the one and only Gillian Tobias. That's all coming up right here on the Christmas Day edition of The Briefing with me, Tom Edwards. Well, this special Christmas Day broadcast is about to get even specialer uh, because we have a selection of, I don't know what to call them, Santa's little helpers. Some elven folk have gathered round the mics in Zurich. Let me introduce them to you one by one. We have none other than Mr. Tyler Boulay. Hello, Tom Edwards. Merry Christmas, by the way. Oh, Merry Christmas, indeed. Uh, yeah. Merry Christmas also to Andrew Tuck. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and <laughs> last but by no means least... It's Robert Bound. Oh, hey, with the red nose, Tom, just for you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas, one and all. Uh, how did you all sort of wake up this morning? Was it delighted by the contents of your collective bulging sacks, etc.? <laughs> yeah, always. Uh, yeah, I mean, my stockings were full. Uh, Jolly good. Tom, how about you? Did, uh, did Father Christmas bring you everything you wanted? Oh. Yours and... And so, much, and so much more, Rob, than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> um, but listen, uh, paint a little bit of a picture to us, because we know that, Zurich, I, I gather, Tyler, you'll probably be heading up to the, the higher Alps shortly, but it's, it's a lovely part of the world in which to spend the, the, the festive season, isn't it? Absolutely. And of course, we have a busy shop as well. Uh, I, I'm never one to sort of miss a, a bit of a, a retail plug. So you might recall last year, Tom, that we, we did a, a seasonal shop, opened up in San Moritz, but that was February. It was, it was a bit late in the season, but there was an opportunity. It was sort of running into the Nomad Art Festival weekend, uh, and then we just kept the thing open. But it went so well that we've reappeared. So just before Christmas, uh, we opened on the 2021st. We have our lovely Massimo running the shop, of course, very ably aided by the lovely Linda Egger, from the other side of the Alps over in uh, Murano as well. Um, and it's just been, it's been gorgeous and beautiful up there and an absolute delight. Rob Bound, you were there just before Christmas. And just, you know, you know mm. we're in that era sometimes, you know, even with these high Alpine resorts, Tom, you know, is it going to be a snowy season? Is it not? But Rob, I mean, extraordinary because we had, it's just been probably three weeks of just, you know, Ongoing snowfall, properly deep and crisp and even, and there's so there are few places in the world that are more divine and beautiful and on point than Samaritz at Christmas. It seems made for it. It's such a lovely vibe up there, and the shops are doing brave and brilliant business. Right, it's been it's a real talking point around town, um, and yeah, queues around the roundabout. Well, it's interesting as well. I was saying to Andrew that, that we have there's a certain type of guest Tom that you get in Samaritz who I don't know maybe maybe they don't sort of brush the sides of, of retail physical retail very often where they come into the store. And 
and they sort of think that I, I don't know, I don't know what they think it is, but they just they sort they sort of take things, then they leave, and then you've got to sort you've got to call their staff later on and say actually, um, <laughs> uh, the lady of the household left without paying, um, and, and then and then and then they have to dispatch their uh, their staff down with with fistfuls of francs. Goodness me. Um, and you mentioned uh, the conditions on the slopes. Rob, will, will we see you in your skis? I, I've heard tell that quite often when you hit the, the Alpine area, you're often to be found out on the powder. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm, I'm always uh, zigzagging down a black crumb, Tom, as you, as, as you know. Uh, and, uh, and Christmas Day, the lifts are open a little later, um, but I will be uh, bang on it. That's exactly what I wanted to hear, Rob. Um, Andrew Tuck, now tell me, I heard a little Christmas birdie told me, Robin Redbreast, if you will, that you're all over the Mediterranean Christmas Day experience. Presumably you have, what, a fast car, a jet, maybe a helicopter waiting to <laughs> rustle you off to slightly warmer climbs? Let's just say that later today, I will definitely be in Parma in Mallorca, which has been a bit of a, a narrative over the last couple of years. It, it, it's, uh, it's something that crops up in my monthly travel schedule always, and I'm delighted I'm going to be back there for, for Christmas. Um, and tell me, how, how do the Mallorquins do it, Andrew? Because I know, is, am I right in thinking this is one where it's kind of more of a Christmas Eve thing, or actually kind of eyes are, are, are focused a little bit further down the track uh, in terms of the real peak of the, the festivities? Yes, it's a weird one. It is changing. But in Mallorca, traditionally, the Three Kings in in January would be when you would give kids their presents. But because it's actually now often a school day, there's been a bit of a shift and people are starting to give presents actually at Christmas. But if they do that, they tend to do it on Christmas Eve. And actually, very religious people or families in in Mallorca still probably wouldn't have a a big fuss of a, a meal on Christmas Day. They do a nice meal on Christmas Eve. And they might not have a Christmas tree or anything, but I think it is shifting just because it's so international, just because the way that the world is changing. So it, it's getting certainly more Christmassy in people's households. But the Three Kings is, is traditionally when people gave gifts. But I'll just say that Palma as a city has gone really all out on lighting up and, and making sure that everywhere feels very Christmassy. So it's a nice place to be. It's because it's going to be, um, I looked at the weather, it's going to be, I think, uh, 18 degrees today, sunny, not a cloud in the sky. But actually, when night falls, it's it's reasonably crisp. And as you walk down the the front, in front of the cathedral, there's just an amazing display of of, of Christmas goodwill. Tom, I want to ask you, uh, what did your your little ones, your little nippers, what did they get for Christmas? Um, Well, you know, they... Did any of them get pants? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they struggle. We, we, I think we finally I think cracked our, our, it. Because oh, I, I, I saw you with I saw you with the child at the Christmas market. They had, they had trousers on. I thought, well, okay, there's been success in that household. Well, yeah, they... li, li, listeners, you, you, you might know that um, the, the Edwards children have um, have, have trouble uh, donning trousers they, they, or, or, or undies for they that. They shun the trouser. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it was okay. more of a. It was more in the underpants. I think there's a sort of commando tradition. I don't know if, yes. it's, a, if it's some kind of Western military complex title. I don't know. <laughs> Passed it down, Tom. It, well, yes, let's not delve too deeply into what's going on within my trousers today, Rob. Um, <laughs> Tyler, tell me now, I know I've asked you this before around Christmas time, and mm. Andrew's painting such a lovely picture there, the Three Kings. We've got our Three Kings there in Zurich. Um, what's your favourite kind of Christmas tradition? Does it take you back to the old motherland? Is there a kind of an old Canadian staple? Is it something from even further back, maybe some old Estonian traditions. What's your kind of favourite thing? Is it a smell? Is it a taste? Is it a particular beverage that really brings today to life for you, Tyler? 
Tom, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about sartorial sounds for kids because I want to share. I want to share. I want to share a story that relates to a little bit to Samaritan. I was saying this to Andrew the other day. I was in Stockholm for a Christmas party we had there. Bumped into a friend. You're going to like this. So you know, I said, "What are you getting for your kids for Christmas?" And she has seven kids. Um, and Yikes. this is this is Sweden. It's a, multiple marriages. Anyway, seven kids shared with the, the gentleman uh, under the same roof as her. And she said, I'm getting all of my kids mink coats for Christmas. And I thought, okay, wow. this, sounds a, this sounds a bit ridiculous. But here's the point. Because she said she wants her kids to look good. She wants them to be warm. And she said, and, you know, of course, some of them were requesting fancier types of jackets. And she said, you can buy a mink coat, though, for 500 Swedish crowns. That's 50 or 60 euros, pounds, dollars. Said sustainable, of course, right? And at the same time, of course, they, the kids stay toasted. They look fantastic. And she said, also, it's a savings because otherwise, you, you know, if you want to buy something you know, nice from Montclair or something, it's going to sit you back a thousand pounds. I'm thinking you're, I see your kids in gilets, little mink, little mink gilets, don't you, Andrew? Edward's kids look great like that. Well, and Tom, there's maybe some mink underpants for you. <laughs> Why <laughs> Imagine that. Why does everyone keep talking about mind um, Do they make, could you make, I, that might be a bit, I don't a bit, know. little I don't bit itchy I don't, under there? I don't, I, don't I don't think mink underpants would be. You do want to talk, you <laughs> want to talk, we'll, we'll go back smelly. to on another, on another program where we're talking about warm nuts. Yes. That's what's going to happen with, with mink undies. Anyway, no, just quickly, Christmas tradition, uh, at least uh, in our household. Back in Canada, it was always, there was, you know, was, there was of course, you know, two sides of the family, dad's side, much more of a traditional Christmas you know, obviously, uh, turkey stuffing, all the fixings, Christmas Day. Uh, but normally, there was always the lead-in. And of course, maybe because of the lead-in, and you're young, and you get very excited because you get your presents first. So it was always the Estonian Christmas Eve. And that's probably been more defining. That's what sort of, of course, has carried on. So Christmas, yeah, Christmas in our house today is uh, a little bit of Estonia, a little bit of Sweden. Maybe one or two things might creep on the table as well. I have a bit more of a, of a Swiss influence. Actually, a nice pork roast, a little bit of a Danish moment, a little bit of crackling on top. Nice oh, pork nice, roast. Yeah, yeah you like, like the sound of that, don't you? Um, and Rob, what about you? Is it kind of a, a traditional fusion? What about some of those kind of Anglo-Japanese traditions? Is, is there a, Do you break out a bargain bucket? Because I know that's how they roll uh, in Tokyo, don't they? Yeah, well, we, we chatted to Fiona on an earlier programme, I think it was uh, yesterday, about the sort of Japanese traditions. In our household, Christmas tends to be a fairly sort of British bastion. We'll be basting a brace of pheasants, Tom. Oh, nice. Um, freshly plucked. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> mind how you mind how you read this script. Obviously, so that that's what's good. That's that's the kind of main course. That's the kind of uh, that's the that's the vibe. And then the next day, go out and shoot some more on Boxing Day. Obviously, for Boxing Day dinner. So that's how we do it. I like it. Um, Andrew Tuck, can I get you to say freshly plucked pheasants a few times on air? And see how you get on with that. <laughs> <laughs> and not after the Negronis last night. No. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, look, uh, gentlemen, let's just very quickly, whilst I still got you, before you all mm. jet off, um, mm. throw anything slightly further ahead. I know it's uh, it's not we're not quite in the new year yet, but what are you most excited about? Now the the kind of mania of Christmas is uh, we've kind of chalked that one off the the mm. list. What, what's mm. what's what's number one on the list? Um, Tyler, first of all. Okay, well, well, we'll stay in Switzerland. We've got, uh, of course, Tom, some of your elves are already probably bundling up, um, strapping on their snowshoes. We've got Davos coming up so with the World Economic Forum. And it's, it's just interesting how that's shifted over the last few years because so much of it actually comes through Zurich now. So just we get great people around the microphone. So we're always doing always a little bit of anchoring out of here, of course, with our colleagues uh, who are up in the hills. And then I think um, Andrew and I were chatting about this one the other day. The Chiefs is coming back as, as a conference. Also, it's going to be coming back on air as well. But we're heading to Hong Kong. So this is going to be our our first real Asian event of scale that we've done out in that part of the world and, and looking uh, to be at the Fullerton in Hong Kong to host that. Uh, and that's going to be at the end of March. Andrew, over to you. 
Well, I think Tyler's given you the kind of the big dates in, in the calendar, but I think let's just say watch this space because I think it's going to be a very interesting year for Monocle. We're, we're looking to be more physically present in some markets. So, uh, there'll be some, maybe some real estate deals being signed over the coming months. And I think that we have some very big ambitions about what we do in print and digitally, maybe even say that word, mm. that... Um, will maybe take people a bit by surprise as the year unfolds. Oh, it's very exciting. Um, last word, Mr. Bound, to you. What are you most excited about? Well, I'm, I'm excited for 2024 in a big way. I want to do tons and tons of writing this year. I issued a challenge to Andrew at a party uh, last week, which was just send me anywhere. I'll do anything for this. <laughs> um, uh, that was uh, after three glasses of champagne. Um, and I agreed. And he, and he said, yeah. So, so yeah, watch this space. 2024, I'm brewing with bold ambition for Monocle. Love the sound of that. Some kamikaze reporting. We should we you to listen. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's the time of give and receive. What, uh, what, what are you looking forward to? Oh, I don't know. Uh, peace, goodwill. What's it? Goodwill and peace to all men, Tyler. Is that too much to hope for? No, not, not at all. Especially if it's like done politely around a microphone. I like, I like the sound of it. <laughs> Lovely yeah. stuff. Let's drink to that. Uh, Merry gents, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Uh, love to all you and yours. And I'll see you in the new year. Merry Christmas, Tom. Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry Christmas, Tom. Well, we continue this very special edition of the programme with another very special guest. It is my pleasure to welcome and to wish very Merry Christmas to Monocle's own Chris Lord. Tom, very Merry Christmas to you, sir. Um, Now, Chris, I chatted a little earlier to Tyler, to Andrew, to Rob. Um, It was very much an alpine, a snowy alpine scene. Mm. Has the snow fallen? Where are you? Trans Pennines? You're up somewhere in Lancashire, are you? So I'm up in North Manchester, speaking to you from there, Tom, where I can report that there is a, a sort of luxurious mix of drizzle and sleet um, <laughs> dust in the top of the Pennines um, but I, as I'm talking to you right now I'm pulling on my scarf and my heavy coat because I am a big believer Tom that on Christmas Day you have to get out into that harsh and unforgiving weather and soak it up a little bit and get some fresh air before you sit down to a, uh, a big boozy lunch uh, now the contrast couldn't be more stark with your usual stomping ground. Of course, regular listeners will recognise your voice and insights as Monocle's US editor. You're normally sat in Los Angeles. I, I wouldn't have seen this coming. You've turned in some kind of beach boy, Pacific Palisades surfing guy, but you're there in the in the northwestern drizzle. How different is it? You didn't see it coming, Tom? I didn't see that. Well, you've always loved a Hawaiian shirt, to be fair, uh, but I didn't know you were going to turn into sort of, I don't know, a slightly less lucid version of Brian Wilson. So the Aloha spirit was always within me and it just actually just needed to get out to the West Coast of America for that to, to spring forth, if you will. But, you know, I think growing up in uh, this remarkably depressing landscape <laughs> means that you you do desire for sunnier climes. And in fact, you know, Tom, we've spoken while I've been in many foreign postings over the years, from the UAE to Istanbul to Ghana, and now, of course, to Los Angeles. So, But the, the surfboard awaits for me over there. Unfortunately, I'm not going doing too much surfing here in the Pennines. But I will be getting back to that sunny, sunny climb soon enough. But before then, Tom, obviously, we've got, we've got Christmas to get through. And, of course, New Year. Uh, you might have to surf down a rainy high street to pick up a, an Eccles Coke or something. What, how does it? How do you roll up there? <laughs> 
Well, of course, you know, this part of the world is uh, infamous these days for its uh, extreme flooding. So who knows, maybe there is going to be an artificial wave built up there in uh, in, uh, in in the Calder Valley. But, um, but no, I think, you know, this time of year is a good moment to reflect on the year that was in this environment and, and look ahead. And, uh, you know, I think we've already had a couple of light drinks up here at the Lord household. So I'm going to keep <laughs> okay. that keep that spirit rolling. Uh, light and bitter. Now tell me what, uh, we're keeping things bright and breezy. Mm. Uh, Chris, what are you most excited about next year? Now there's all kinds of heavy duty news stories on your patch. Big general election, of course, in the US in November. There might be one here as well. Mm. What about just personally, mm. for Chris Lord Esquire... I don't know, places you're excited to go, people you're excited to meet and see? So not to give too much away of a forthcoming story, but I can tell you, Tom, that I will be, with other Monocle colleagues, getting aboard a very large boat in just the early days of the new year and heading off to much sunnier places than I can see out of this window right now. Oh, that's exciting. Um, which I, but I can say no more than that. Um, but that is on, the, that is on the, the horizon and sailing over it. And I can also reveal that I will be very gladly spending a little bit more time in Mexico in 2024. It's nice. a country that I slowly actually never really knew very well prior to moving to the US. And of course, the close connection there between California and through the Yucatan, I've come to know that place a little bit. And we're going to do a little bit deeper dives into that place, its design scene, its food scene, but also a little bit of the politics of the place in a changing year, which is going to be 2024 in Mexico. And of course, the economic miracle that I think is, is waiting on the on the horizon. Another miracle, Chris, you seem to have accepted only commissions that take you to the sunshine. Is that a false accusation? Can you blame me, Tom? If I could could take you to where I am right now and show you what it's like here, then you would understand that um, really since I hit 18, the main ambition I ever had was to get as far away from drizzle and rain as I possibly could. And of course, I've gone then to the other side of the world in search of those sunny climbs. Chris, can I tell you, you always bring sunshine to the airwaves. So do you, Tom. So do you. Even to this grey day, this Christmas grey day, you have brought a smile to my window. Um, it is a beautiful Christmas moment, a scintillating moment between us. Would you agree with that? It's quite emotional. I feel quite emotional. I'll raise a glass to you, Tom. Uh, cheers, Lordy. Uh, much more from Chris, of course. Um, well, probably just over the festive period and, of course, in the new year. Uh, you can also read his insights on the pages of Monocle magazine. You're listening to a very special... <laughs> Happy Christmas Day edition of The Briefing. And finally, on this very special Christmas Day edition of The Briefing here on Monocle Radio, I am nothing short of delighted to welcome to my news grotto, the last of today's elves, Gillian Tobias. Gillian, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. I love being one of Santa's elves here in studio on Christmas Day. Well, I actually you. said it was one of my elves, but I see, I, you know, <laughs> ro- rotund, bearded. I'm, I'm heading in, the, in that direction. Uh, now, Gillian, we've been chatting with lots of friends, editors from all around the world on this programme, talking about the things that most excite. And a thing I always find fascinating is what are the real traditions that, that mark out your Christmas? What is the, what makes Gillian's Christmas Day? Um, people know from your voice of course you're you're not from england but yours is a classic tale it fuses all it, lots of different influences from all around the globe you know it does and it's funny how christmas really brings in all one's heritage into sharp relief because i was born in canada and my fondest 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 memories of my first childhood christmases in this snowy wonderland that is canada and yet The Christmas traditions that we had were from my parents' Czech heritage. So we celebrated a very, very, very Czech heritage on Christmas Eve. And it was really all about the ringing of the bell at midnight 
when that would be when you would come downstairs for the presents that were left under the tree. But it was the Christmas Eve dinner was so important because it was it was when you would lift up your plate and there would be money underneath your plate. We would have roast beef, um, and then after dinner you would play this this game about looking forward towards the future, where little walnut shells would be carved out with little candles, and you'd float them in a bowl of water. And depending on which way your walnuts went, that would predict your year ahead. If they clustered together, you were going to be a bonded family. If your little walnut with its candle edged towards the end of the the watery basin, that meant that you were an independent spirit. And lo and behold, anyone whose walnut shell sunk. But it was very, very much old traditions, um, which I cherish. But it's, a, it, it's a lovely, a lovely tale. I don't know what I don't know what my walnuts will say about direction of travel. Probably best to skip over that. I think we need a little basin and, and walnut shells with candles. Well, yeah, let's, let's let's move swiftly on now, Gillian. Uh, I guess one of the other things that's really interesting and. You spoke there so sort of movingly about your your childhood Christmases. Just storytelling on and around the day. It's such an evocative part as well, whether that's word of mouth, traditional family stories, uh, books, films, we radio, of course, we gather around the mics. And, and storytelling is such a powerful medium, isn't it? Particularly at this time of year. It is. And I understand that in Iceland, one of the uh, traditions, again on Christmas Eve, is book giving. And you give your friends and your relatives books. And then you spend the whole of Christmas Eve munching your chocolates and drinking your wine to books. And I, I love that tradition. And you know, being radio, I also I also love reading books and reading stories. And so as your little Christmas presents, I have decided to read a little Christmas tale from you. I went to my favourite bookshop, Dance, and I picked up a little pamphlet, uh, which is by um, the blogger who really has become quite notorious for a great chronicler of life. Uh, and this is The Gentle Author, and it's On Christmas Day, abridged by moi. While my parents sat consumed by silent dread in the front of the car on Christmas morning, I was naively entranced by the passing landscape with its bare fields sparkling in the frost or puddled rain and the old cottages punctuating the hedge grove. Inevitably, we arrived late, parking in the yard in the back of Grandmother's house, passing through the wooden garden gate, walking slowly down the path in trepidation to arrive at the kitchen door. Inside the house, my grandmother would be discovered at the scrubbed wooden table, beating something vigorously in a mixing bowl, smoking a cigarette, and still dressed in the fur coat and velvet turban she wore to church that morning. It was the last house in the town, a late Victorian villa at the end of a line with only fields beyond, and I was entranced by its Gothic architecture. The stained glass porch with colourful acoustic tiles was the threshold to a dwelling which contained mysteries from the years before I came into the world. Dominating the hallway at Christmas was my grandmother's spectacular annual display. Each December, she arranged winter foliage in a gleaming copper jug upon the oak table as the climax of her year's endeavours in competitive flower arranging. I was fascinated by the Christmas roses, which were like no other roses I'd ever seen and grew close to the ground on an old wall in my grandmother's garden, with their curious pale wax-like petals which came into flower when all other plants had died away. I believe they were unique to her, and their extraordinary qualities were an expression of her mastery of nature itself. 
It was my grandmother's custom to deliver her turkey to the baker on the way to church on Christmas morning and collect it again after the service, almost roasted, so that she could finish it off in the oven at home, thus permitting her to give her full attention to the serious business of vegetables and, of course, the pudding. Shedding her fur coat when it came to the moment of serving, she nevertheless maintained her hauteur in a well-cut tweed skirt, silk blouse, pearls and crocodile court shoes, with only the addition of an apron casually slung around her waist to indicate her culinary responsibilities. Placing her cigarette carefully between her pursed lips, she leaned forward with intense, short-sighted concentration to slice the turkey on the table in front of her. We each passed our plates, and when it came to my father's turn, she would cast her eyes down the table to him, and my uncle would catch her eye before reaching out to give him a playful shove. Are you a breast or a leg man, Peter? he asked with a chuckle and a lewd grin. This annually repeated gesture was a source of enormous amusement for him and my grandmother, but a cause of deep embarrassment for me, my mother, and my father. After my grandmother had carried in the flaming pudding, the crackers had exploded and my mother had done the washing up, we were able to escape the house for an afternoon walk through the cool air and the damp lanes to recover our senses. Returning for tea at dusk, I would take this opportunity to slip away from the fireside, leaving the adults to their conversations and climbing the staircase to explore the dusty attic at the top of the house where my grandfather's stage properties and conjuring tricks were stored. In these chilly abandoned rooms, I discovered a wind-up gramophone and was happy to wear his silk top hat and play alone in the mirrored cabinets until it was time to leave. There was only one childhood Christmas when we did not visit my grandmother. It was a year that a particularly virulent form of gastroenteritis struck. My mother, my father and me were all afflicted with flu and lay in bed on Christmas Day, engulfed by fever and drowsy lightheadedness engendered by lack of food. I recall lying awake with my cat in the half-light of drawn curtains, clutching a hot water bottle, and feeling overwhelmed by the weary languor of my body. Yet at three in the afternoon, we convened in the kitchen in our dressing gowns, and we drank a cup of hot water together. I think this was the sweetest drink I ever tasted, and I cherish the memory of that day, isolated together in our intimate cell of sickness as my happiest childhood Christmas. So uh, I guess uh, each to their own at Christmas and where their favourite memories come from. But what about you? How are you going to spend the rest of today? Well, Gillian, I've mentioned this earlier in the show as well. It's For me, it is all about family. I think all of those, those things you say, the traditions, um, the storytelling, all that nostalgia is so powerful and it's because it's all rooted in, in family. Um, but it needs to be fun. That's the second F, and it needs to involve food and lots of it. So as soon as we wrap up this broadcast, it's only just ticking towards lunchtime. Um, Traditionally, in the Edwards household, lunch generally didn't commence until maybe as late as 4pm. So still got time to get back. Ensure that the turkey's processing nicely. Uh, food will feature prominently. And I think a little uh, pop of a champagne cork is in order. Oh, 100%. Is that, I can almost hear it. <laughs> Carry, <laughs> carried on the winter on the winter wind. Uh, Gillian, wonderful as always to have a catch up with you on, on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. A happy New Year. Thanks for coming to see us. And a very Merry Christmas to you too, Tom. And that's all for today's very special Christmas Day edition of The Briefing. Thank you so much for joining us. It is time for us... 
to talk turkey and bid you farewell. This programme was produced by Santa's elf, Tom Webb, and our studio manager was Jack Dewars. But for now, from me, Tom Edwards, may I wish you, wherever you are in the world, a very happy Christmas. Christmas. 